hope you have your Bibles open already. So if you do, stay in that third chapter. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 6 through 15 today. I invite you, if you're able, please stand in honor of the reading of God's holy word. This is 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 15. Hear now the written word of God. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. But as for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person and have nothing to do with him, that he may be ashamed. Do not regard him as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. Amen. Pray with me. Lord, this is your word. And as we come now to the preaching and explanation of it, Lord, may the words that I say today, may they be glorifying to you. May they be in line with what you want the scripture to teach. Open our ears that we might receive uh, the preaching of your word and work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated, dear friends. Let me start out with a question this morning. What is your attitude concerning work? Work. What is your attitude concerning work? You know, if we want to see the world's attitude towards work, we really don't have to look any further than bumper stickers. I mean, have you read bumper stickers about work and about maybe the world's philosophy on work? I found three bumper stickers I want to show you that describe uh, the world's philosophy on work. We'll try to put this first one up on the screen. Here's one playing off the seven dwarves. I owe, I owe. It's off to work I go. You know, when you read a bumper sticker like this, you find out the world's view of work. Work is all about debt reduction. So go ahead and get yourself in debt and then send yourself to work just so you can pay all of those bills. I owe, I owe. Let's just do debt reduction. Well, here's another one. I'm sure you've seen this one. I'd rather be fishing. In other words, don't put your interests into your work. Just do your work and get done with that. And just put all you're interested in something else, your recreation, whether it's fishing or football or or whatever you like to do, your recreation, that's what you should focus on and appreciate, not work. And then here's a third one. Hard work never killed anyone. But why take the chance, right? 
I mean, hey, if you work hard, you might die. So don't work hard. Be afraid of work, right? Well, friends, to the world, the doctrine of work is viewed very negatively. In fact, I've even met some Christians who think that work is part of the fall. It's a result of sin. But let's ask that question. When did God teach man to work? Was it before the fall or was it after the fall? Let's look at the text. This is Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. To what? To work it and keep it. Well, friends, when did Genesis 2.15 happen? Was that before the fall or after the fall? It was before, right? It was before Adam and Eve fell into sin. So what the Bible is saying is that work is not a result of sin. Rather, work is the gracious gift to us from our Creator. In fact, let's remember that God created man in his image. And God only called man to work after God himself had worked for six days. So here's another question. Who is the first person to ever have a work week? Was it Adam? Was it Eve? I would argue it was God. We know God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And before God ever called Adam and Eve to work, God himself for six days worked. He's this master craftsman, the first one to ever have a work week. And he crafted this world by creating, by forming, by shaping, right? Our universe, dear friends. Here's a quote from Tim Keller about that. He says, in the beginning then God worked. Work was not a necessary evil that came into the picture later or something human beings were created to do, but that was beneath the great God himself. No, God worked for the sheer joy of it. Work could not have been, work could not have had, or work could not have a more exalted inauguration. That's from Tim Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor. So friends, today's text is all about the doctrine of work. And as we look at this text, we want to look at it in four parts. If you have your bulletins with you, flip on the back. The four points are on the back of your bulletin. Today, we're going to see Paul talking about the problem, the example, the precept, and then finally, the command. Let's zoom in and let's see what was the problem there in Thessalonica. Let's review some of the text. If your Bibles are still open, please look back with me. Verse 6 and verse 11 and 12. Verse 6 says, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you received from us. And then 11 and 12. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever had anyone in your life that that person has to tell you something more than once in order for you to do it? Maybe think about work. 
Maybe someone at work says, hey, I want to remind you, turn in those receipts. If you spend money on the, on the corporate card, you gotta, I want to remind you, turn in the receipts. We've got to match that up to the, to the credit card payment. You get that reminder. Students, maybe your teacher reminds you, turn in that homework, right? Turn in that project. Over and over you hear this reminder about what you need to do. I can remember growing up in my house, every Wednesday I got a reminder. Every Wednesday was trash day. It was the day you took the garbage to the end of the road. Adam, reminder, take the trash out. To the end of the road. Parents, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I have a much more understanding of that now being a parent because all the time with my kids, I'm giving reminders. So my kids are old enough now to maybe stay up later than mom and dad on the weekends. And every time that happens, I'm like, would you please do me one favor? Just turn the lights out. You know, before you go to bed, turn the lights out, put the garage door down, lock the doors. And they're like, okay, okay. And I go to bed. And then I get up the next morning, and here's what my house looks like. Like every morning. All the lights are on. The whole neighborhood has seen every light on in my house all night long. The garage door up. Sometimes the back door is even open and cracked. Yeah, I feel like constant reminders. They're not working, right? The reminders are not working. Well, friends, right here in our text in 2 Thessalonians... The Apostle Paul, like a parent, like a spiritual parent here, he's reminding his spiritual children about the importance of work. You see, he had already told them about work. Daryl read the text this morning from 1 Thessalonians. He had already written one letter, and in that letter, here's what Daryl reminded us of. He said, work with your hands, live a quiet life, walk properly before the world, admonish the idol." He had already talked about it, but it's pretty clear that one lesson on work wasn't enough. They needed another reminder. So what you see in the text today is that reminder. But Paul says that the problem hadn't got a little bit better. It it actually had gotten a lot worse because when you look at the text, it says that now it wasn't just the, the, the laziness or idleness wasn't just a once-in-a-while thing. It had become a lifestyle for many of the Thessalonians. Where do we see that? We see it in the word walk or walking. Did you see that verse in the text? Verse 11. Look, look at verse 11 and verse 6 in your text. Look at your Bibles. Verse t- uh, 6 says that they were walking in idleness. Verse 11 says they walk in idleness. What does walk mean in the Bible? Walk means your daily conduct, your lifestyle, how you choose to live. In other words, it's not just a once a, once a, once a one day a week thing. It's an everyday thing. And Paul is saying that there's a problem here because many of you You're not just lazy sometimes, you're lazy all the time. You're idle all the time. And Paul says, that's a problem. But I want you to see something in verse 11. Paul even goes further. He describes them by giving them a name, busybody. Look at verse 11. He says, not not busy at work, but busybodies. 
busybodies. What is that? What does that mean? Well, looking at the context, Paul is saying these are people who are running around, getting involved in the affairs of other people who are really working. And these people are draining other people. They're draining the resources of the church. They're disturbing other people. They could be gossiping. And we look at the whole context of both of these books, First and Second Thessalonians. They were focusing probably so much on the second coming of Jesus, they just stopped working altogether. And they were completely unwilling to work. So Paul calls them busybodies. And what's clear about the busybodies is that they had no willingness to work. So Paul says this is a problem. So he addresses the problem. Well, how does he do that? Well, that's the next three points. He gives them an example, he gives them a precept, and he gives them a command. So let's look next at that second point. Let's look at the example Paul talks about in response to the problem. Verses 7 through 9. Let's reread it. 7 through 9. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you. Nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked how? Night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. Friends, when it comes to influencing other people, one of the best ways that leaders can do this is by leaving his followers a good example to follow. Paul is choosing to influence people, not with his words, but with his life, his example. And what we learn here is that leaders should not just talk the talk, they should walk the walk. You know, when we study the the life of Jesus, he did that, didn't he? I mean, Jesus didn't just say, be humble. Jesus got down on his hands and knees and washed disciples' feet. Jesus didn't just say, um, hey, go forgive each other. Jesus actually took Peter, right, after the resurrection and forgave him and restored him to ministry. Jesus lived out forgiveness in his life. Jesus doesn't just say, hey, go love people. Jesus says, I'm going to demonstrate my love with my life. I'm going to give my life a ransom for many. I'm going to walk to the cross. I'm going to be crucified for you. Indeed, Jesus lived by example. And friends, that's what these missionaries are doing in this text. Paul, Silas, Timothy, the missionaries in this text demonstrated by example their willingness to work. This text says that these three guys worked night and day. Night and day, not to be a burden to anyone. Now, let's remember something about Paul. He was from Tarsus. Tarsus was known for its tent making. So Paul had developed a skill outside of ministry of tent making, and he, Silas, and Timothy were using tent making while they were there in Thessalonica to make money. So what this means is if Paul was preaching and teaching all morning, he was making tents all night. Or if he was making tents in the morning... He was preaching and teaching at night. Night and day, they were not idle amongst the Thessalonians. And because they did this, they were able to pay for their own food and they weren't a burden to anyone. Now, let's ask this question. Did they have to do that? 
did they have to do that? Well, according to this text, they didn't. They didn't have to do it. You see it right in the text. Verse 9, it was not because we do not have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. Friends, when we reach into the Bible and we see what the Bible says about ministers and missionaries, here's what we find. We'll put it on the screen. 1 Corinthians 9, 14. In the same way, the Lord, com- the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So what that means is that if Paul, Silas, and Timothy had accepted money from the church as missionaries or ministers, that would have been okay. God says that's okay. And people like me and Daryl were grateful for this uh, word in the Bible. But what did Paul do? In this case, this particular case, Paul wanted to avoid being accused as a money grabber. But he also wanted to set a good example. He was looking around. And he saw that this issue of idleness went from bad to worse. He saw the busybodies running around. So in this case, they chose to set a good example of work ethic. You can say it this way. These missionaries, they set aside their rights for the benefit of others. Church, did you hear that? They set aside their rights for the benefit of others. They knew that many in that particular church were struggling with good work ethic, so they set aside their right of being paid by the church in order to set a good example for those who were being idle, for those busy bodies. You could say it this way, that just because they could do something doesn't mean they should do something. Paul says it this way in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10. We'll put it on the screen. All things are lawful, yes, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. So even though it was lawful for him to be paid by the church, he knew in this particular case it would not be helpful. So Paul, Silas, Timothy gave that up. They worked night and day. And Paul is teaching us all the importance of setting a good example. And he was hoping and praying that these Thessalonians would look at their lives and see they're not just doing one kind of work, they're doing two. They're being ministers and they're being tent makers, night and day. And that that would be an encouragement to these busy bodies to work. And friends, we see this as an act of love. It's an act of love to give up your right for the benefit of someone else. Well, friends, that's Paul's example. Well, that leads us to the next thing he talks about, and that's the precept. The precept is found in verse 10. Let's look at it. The Bible says, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. This is the precept. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Let's take that phrase and break it down. Notice with me it says, if you are not willing to work. It doesn't say if you're not able to work. It says if you're not willing to work. 
let him not eat. Because brothers and sisters, indeed, aren't there times where every single one of us aren't able to work? I mean, think about it. Times of sickness, times of injury, maybe times of grief in your family that makes it unable to work, many hardships. You know, those who are unable to work still have a willingness to work, right? And in these times, the Bible says the church should be responsive. We as a church should do everything we can to meet the physical, mental, emotional needs of the families. This, this, is, this is the time where the deacons, the mercy team, the, the meals, it's on, right? Bring the stuff. Help, help, help. We need that. But friends, that's not what this text is talking about. It's not talking about those who are unable to work. It's talking about what? Those who are unwilling to work. Look at the phrase. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. So the point is ethical, not functional. The point is about the will, not about your ability. Here's what Dr. Karras says. We'll put it on the screen. Paul's proverbial command places a stress on the ethical component. Paul is not speaking of a situation in which someone is willing to work but cannot find a job or a person who is physically not able to work. These situations might require alms. But he's speaking of those who intentionally decide not to work. And what's his conclusion? If someone is not willing to work, what's the conclusion? Let him not eat. Now, friends, I'm going to go ahead and say what Paul's teaching here, it might sound unpopular. It might sound mean to some people. Because it requires those who are unwilling, those who are idle and lazy, to feel pain. In this case, hunger. But Paul's goal here is that that pain would motivate that unwilling person to become willing to work. In fact, if you read further, verse 15 says that this should actually be a warning to the idle person. You know, when we look back upon the history of the church with this particular verse, what we find is that this verse for centuries has had a very, very positive influence on work ethic for Christians within the church. In fact, it was this verse that pushed the Puritans to have a very strong work ethic. And it was the Puritans who desired that each church take care of its own mercy needs because each church could determine fake needs from real needs. Think about that. What we're seeing here is that from time to time, the church is going to have to distinguish between a fake need and a real need. A real need is what? If someone who is unable to work, there's a real need, provide. But if someone is simply unwilling, ah, it might do more damage to, do, to, to provide. That person needs to be admonished and encouraged, right, to, to work is what the Bible is saying. So friends, we see the problem, the example, this precept. Well, that leads us finally to the command. 
And I wrote the verses wrong in your bulletin, so let me correct that now. Let's look back at verses 12 and 13, not 13 through 15, but 12 through 13. Look at 12 and 13. Here's the command. Now such persons we command, right? Here it is. We command and what? Encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. You, I mean, you can hear the repetition. I mean, you heard some of these words in 1 Thessalonians, right? You can hear the parent repeating. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. Friends, this is the command. We are commanded and encouraged by the apostle to do our work, to do it quietly, to earn our own living. Well, friends, let's just ask this question. What are reasons to work hard? What are some biblical reasons to work hard? Let's talk about at least four this morning. Four. Number one, Working hard allows us all to earn our own living and not to be a burden to other people. If you look at verse 12 and verse 8, that's a combination of those two verses. Okay, Working hard allows you to earn your own living and not be a burden, and even to the church. But secondly, working hard allows you to help others who are unable to help themselves. Let's remember, there's a category of people who are unable to work. Those people need help. They desire it, but for whatever reason, they can't. They're working towards it. And the Bible says, as a church, if we have already worked hard and built up resources, we can have the help. We can give that family help when they need it. Here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 4:28. Look at it. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Why work hard? Because there's going to come a time where we need to share what we have with other people because there's a real need and we need to be mercy-minded that way. That's what the Bible says. Number three, working hard, dear friends, allows you to love your neighbor. There's a book by Tim Keller, Every Good Endeavor. I encourage you to read it if you're struggling with the doctrine of work. Every Good Endeavor. Tim Keller's main point, or one of the main points he makes in the book is one of the best ways that you could love someone is to do your job well. Okay, so let me tell you a story. How this affected my life. Um, Back in 2014, Brock was nine, and... uh, um, he had the flu and uh, wasn't breathing real well uh, that day. And by that night, he was really laboring in his breathing to the point where he had to go to the hospital. This had happened before, but, uh, and we knew that it was an issue, so we took him to the hospital. But by the time we got to the hospital, what's the first thing they did? They put the little thing on his finger, right, to check his oxygen. They want to make sure he's getting enough oxygen. Well, well guess what? It, it became back a, re- a low reading. And before I knew what was going on, they had pulled his shirt off and put him in the wheelchair, wheeled him back, put him on the bed, put him on, put him on the bed. They, they put the IV in his arm. They put the mask around his face. They put the steroids in. Brock's eyes were about that big. And I think my eyes were even bigger because I had no idea what was going on. I mean, they didn't have time to explain to me what was going on. They were just doing their job. And I was, I was kind of in shock, and I started, I started to worry. And 
I felt so helpless at that moment. I did. Like, I, I, I didn't have, there was nothing that I could do as his dad to help him in this situation. But I watched all of these doctors. I watched all of these nurses for, I think it was about two hours, come alongside my son checking his breathing, checking his heart rate, checking his oxygen, giving him oxygen. What were they doing? They were doing their job. And they were doing it really well. And they weren't thinking this in their minds, but it was dawning on me in the moment. They are loving me, and they are loving my son better than I could possibly imagine by doing their job well. I had no idea what to do, but they did, and they did it well. Here's another quote from Tim Keller. He says, There may be no better way to love your neighbor, whether you are writing parking tickets, software, or books, than to simply do your work, but only skillful, competent work will do friends i want you to know as you do your work and you do it well you can love other people and i want to say something to different people in different places of work to our moms to our stay-at-home moms who are loving your children by doing the work of constantly changing diapers and cleaning up messes guess what you're doing your work well and you are loving those kids and you're allowing them to grow up and be nurtured and cared for in your home Be encouraged. If you're a teacher and you're staying up late all night grading papers and you you do that extra effort in your work to talk to this particular student about that or this particular student about something else, you're loving those students well. If you're an engineer and you're building a bridge, there's going to be thousands of people driving across that bridge. Build it well. And maybe you're on the assembly line. You're making the parts for those bridges, right? Build that well because thousands of people are going to be depending upon that. And you're going to love people well by doing your job well, dear friend. And then finally, working hard brings glory to God, dear friends. We mentioned this before, but we are made in the image of the first worker. And when we work we reflect the glory of the first worker. We reflect the glory of God. And as Paul says last slide, Colossians 3, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Do it with all your heart. You're giving glory to God. Friends, as we close the sermon today, what can you take away? I hope a number of things. First of all, let's go back to that first question. What is your attitude towards work? Because the Bible teaches us work is a blessing from God. We work because God worked first and we bear his image. So do you see your work as a blessing or are you constantly saying, I'd rather be fishing? Secondly, from time to time, every one of us is going to get distracted. We're going to find ourselves not working but being busy bodies. Maybe we are running and messing in other people's affairs. Or maybe we spend too much time on that iPhone or too much time on that Internet searching this or that when we should be working. Friends, if that's the issue, that's a problem, Paul says. Let's repent of that. 
And let us recognize the example of these missionaries. They were working hard, not just at one, but at two types of work. They were ministers. Yes, they were also tent makers. Did they have to do that? No. But they gave up their right to be a good example to people who needed an example. Friend, I have a question for you. Is God calling you to give up something in your life to be a good example to someone else? For the benefit of someone else? Do you see the difference, dear friend, between being unwilling and unable? This is an ethical issue. This is an ability issue. This issue needs mercy, needs care. This unwillingness needs admonishment. That's what the Bible says. And then finally, dear friend, work hard. That's the command. Work hard. Earn your living. And as you do, be ready to help other people. The best way for you to live out your love for one another might be to do your job well. I will never forget December the 18th, 2014. And I, my son and I were loved well by other people doing their job well. Friend, know that as you work hard, as you do your job well, you're loving others and ultimately you're bringing glory to God. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, as we close this um, service today, we recognize, Lord, that um, oftentimes we can fall into that same pit as the Thessalonians. We can get so distracted, become idle, and even be unwilling to do our work. Father, if that's the case, forgive us, we pray. And God, give us, Father, um, clarity in this passage to understand how we should work when there's a real need, when there might not be a real need, Father, and the opportunity to, to work hard at whatever we do. And help us to love you and love others by doing our jobs well. All this we ask in your precious name. Amen.